short side of the virtual hardwood, it's the MLSC Podcast. This is episode 510. I am Andrew, Andrew in our forum, Andrew NLSC on X, with me as always my co-host Derek, DV3 in our forum, and DV3G and DV384 on X. Derek, good to be talking to you as always. What's new this week? I'd like to kick off this episode, Andrew, talking about video game legend Keith Van Horn. And how this came up is actually because of the Live 01 legends, Roger and Nate. And Roger reached out to me and let me know that in nine-minute quarters, he scored 74 points, had seven rebounds, and three assists with Keith Van Horn against Nate. And they were playing the finals of their NBA Live 2001 tournament. And he also stated that of those 74 points, 11 threes were hit. My my thing with guys like Keith Van Horn, Richard Lewis, uh, you know, Walter McCarty, basically anybody 6'10 and above that could hit the three ball uh, was ultra deadly in early 2000s video games. And then they were also pretty damn deadly in 2K's early and mid-2000 games as well, but especially in NBA Live. And I can't even tell you the amazing performances that my brother Mark had with Keith Van Horn on early 2000s lives. I want to say it was NBA Live 2004 that he scored over 100 points with him on a high shooting percentage. Uh, he's also had over 100 points multiple multiple times with Walter McCarty. And it's just those guys are ridiculous in those games. So I applaud him on that performance with Keith Van Horn. I also want to point something out. I watched another gameplay video on the Live 01 Legends YouTube channel. And if our listeners have not visited that channel, you're missing out. Check these guys out. On many of their games, their faces are on screen. You can hear them reacting to the action, all of that stuff. They're awesome guys, good characters. They're great. We had them on the show before. Yeah, and they were excellent on the show. So if you can find that episode, um, definitely check it out. But I watched another game on Live 2001 that they had recently, and it was Nets, controlled by Roger, versus Nate with the 76ers. And Nate was really feeling the weakness, Andrew, of that 76ers team. I think at one point I looked at the team stats at the end of a quarter, and he was shooting 10 for 42 with that squad. And the only real highlight of Nate's performance with that 76ers team was Allen Iverson's dunks. He was throwing it down, Andrew, like the prime Vince Carter in this game. They way overdid it in NBA Live 2001 with Iverson's athleticism and dunking ability. There's one dunk that Nate has with him in the second half where he's standing still underneath the basket and he jumps vertically his head gets up around the rim and he throws it down with one hand. Now, Iverson was a great athlete. We all remember the tip dunk from earlier in his career, um, right up over the defense, but he absolutely was not even close to being capable of that. So, you know, despite his shooting woes in that game, he had those amazing dunks with Iverson, a couple of which could definitely be in the top 10 plays of the week. But Roger, on the other hand, using this Nets team, Keith Van Horn ended up with 23 points in this game, and the player, and he was the player of the game. But he had a balanced attack with Kenyon Martin and and Kerry Kittles and and whatnot. And I thought he did a great job using 
that squad. But those guys put together some great gameplay videos. They have a very unique YouTube channel, and uh, I recommend their channel to the community. They, they should check it out. I do too, absolutely. And they've got some great short clips as well, always sharing those little clips, that uh, many of which end up in the top 10 uh, dunks. Uh, they had the, the great uh, dunk contest dunk from NBA 2K9 in this past week's countdown. And, you know, it's it can't be said enough how much Allen Iverson carried that 2001-76ers team. I mean, he did have some help. It was, wasn't like there was absolutely no talent on that team with him. But you had a Matumbo that was aging, breaking down, past his prime, didn't really pan out as well as they thought. Sure, you got solid players like Aaron McKee, Tyron Hill, etc. But Iverson didn't have a lot of help. And he faced some pretty good teams in the East and took a win from the Lakers in the finals. Hand of the Lakers lost in the finals. They're only one of that playoffs. You know, Allen Iverson, he was the MVP that year. He was the man. Now, in Log 2001, he has Coach. So Nate did have Coach because it was pre-trade. Ah, uh, right. So yeah. remember, you know, Ratliff got hurt. The 76ers decided, hey, we need a big guy to obviously compete against guys like Shaq. That's how we're going to make a run at this is by having a guy that can compete with the Shaqs out there. And um, they made the trade of Theo Ratliff and Tony Kukoc for Dikembe Mutombo. And um, so I, I was surprised to see that Nate didn't do a little bit more with Kukoc. I'd have to revisit Live 2001 and, and see how he plays in that game because he's another tall shooter, right? Of course. Um, Kukoc could stretch the floor and knock down threes, hit the mid-range shot. Um, he's usually faster in video games than he was in real life. Um, but yeah, pre-trade and pre-Theo Ratliff injury, I've said this before, I thought the 76ers were better in real life. Kukoc gave them another scoring option. He was playing well for them. Theo Ratliff was an amazing shot block blocker, just like Dikembe Mutombo. Um, he was a super athlete, right? Um, and I think he was better at running the floor than Mutombo as well. So unfortunately, that Ratliff injury altered that roster quite a bit. It did. And, and it's funny you mentioned they over, overdoing the, the dunking for Iverson in 2001. I'd say that the Funnily enough, 2176 is Iverson, which is the one that's in 2K14. He's the one I used for my retro series 2008 Nuggets versus Magic. He had a couple of big dunks in that highlight reel, if you remember. And I was quite surprised. I was, those were just meant to be driving layups, but I was holding down sprint. So he went up for these big dunks. So I think they did kind of overdo Iverson's dunking in a few games. And like you say, he did have some great dunks. And you know, that's the point guard, folks. That's the famous uh, highlight from his uh, second season, I believe, the 1998 season. But... Yeah, he, he shouldn't have been dunking that easily. He wasn't Steve Francis no. as a dunk. No. Let's put it that way. Not even close. But they make him better than Steve Francis as a dunker. You know, in NBA Live 2001, at least compared to Steve Francis in real life. Uh, no, Iverson um, in NBA 2K, as you know, they usually give Iverson leaning slams. Mm. That's what they usually give him in NBA 2K video games. And that dunk looks ridiculous <laughs> being done by Allen Iverson. But in every video game, every 2K, it seems like they give him that dunk. I mean, he is their cover player. He is the original cover player, so they want to uh, they want to pop him up, I suppose. And, and also, there's some nice synchronicity here, Derek. Good word, too. But Keith Van Horn is actually getting a mention in this week's Wayback Wednesday. And, you know, as much as we think about the 97 draft class as Duncan, Chauncey Billups, Tracy McGrady, of course, and everybody else, Ron Mercer, of course, you know, 
Keith Van Horn in his early years for the Nets, pretty pretty good player. Seemed like he might be a future All Star. Speaking of that, so you're talking about drafts. Did you know that the Celtics turned down Tony Parker in order to get Joe Forte? That's a that's a quite a blunder. Yeah, so uh, Tony Parker was talking about draft night, and apparently he was handed a Boston Celtics hat and said, the Celtics are taking you. And then three minutes before the selection was made, they said that the Boston backed out. And Boston ended up taking Joe Forte because they didn't want to take an international player. Hmm. That is just a monster mistake. Because imagine Tony Parker in green he he was tony parker was pretty excellent right out of the gate as a player in the nba and he had that professional experience and and whatnot before coming to the nba um what a blunder because joe forte's celtics career was unremarkable let's put it that way i'm just thinking back to that 2002 celtics and of course they traded away joe johnson that year if they'd kept him uh you've got kenny anderson coming off the bench tony parker i'm guessing getting the starting nod uh through the season paul pierce antoine walker fatali Potapenko. uh that's a pretty solid squad and they made the eastern conference finals as it was i appreciate the fact that you actually brought up the ukraine train um he could play he was a solid player um i just think that you know by the time he was with boston he wasn't really I don't know. He wasn't really utilized for his strength. See, he was more just at that point like a pick and roll guy and a dump down guy, as opposed to somebody uh, who actually did have a pretty solid post game and could do more than what the Celtics kind of allowed him to do at the time. No, absolutely. But it's like they say, it's a, it's a roll of the dice with the draft, and you see a lot of picks that we can point back to in hindsight to say, oh, that's that was a terrible pick or whatever, or or it seemed like a good idea at the time, but. Yeah, passing up Tony Parker, a, a play that the Spurs were obviously interested in. You know, that was, uh, yeah, quite a blunder. Absolutely, and he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. I mean, Parker is a legend. Um, so before we get into a session that we had on Street Hoops for PS2, which can't wait to talk about that because how fun was that? A blast. What a, that was an absolute blast revisiting that game. I wanted to actually talk about Real Hoop for a second. So... Andrew knows because him and I are friends and I've talked to him off air about it. Um, I suffered a pretty bad leg injury uh, playing in a local league. And let me start this off by saying that when you're a defender, you have to respect the game. And there's, you know, there's rules, hidden rules that you need to abide by as you know basically a sportsman yeah in sportsmanship absolutely so, yeah so for for example if somebody goes up for a layup and you get underneath their feet get underneath their body or you push on their body while they're in the air not only are you a prick right yeah but you are disrespecting the game and you are putting somebody's health in jeopardy you are Bruce by doing that basically right and so I, I'm, I'm playing in this league, and um, in another league that I'm in, I had played against the same player a few nights a few nights before, and I effortlessly dropped like 30 points on him. He just couldn't guard me. So he was playing reckless in that game too, defensively, but he was even more reckless on this night. And I was on the fast break, and he, he was pedaling backwards, and I went to do a spin move, 
And when I did the spin move, he got underneath my feet and pushed on my lower body, which pushed, which knocked me off balance. And it caused me to plant improperly and my knee caved in, like my leg went backwards. So like a severe hyperextension. I heard the loudest crack, Andrew, that I've ever heard in my life. Uh, it could be it could be heard from the bench. Somebody from our bench, like 20, 30 feet away, heard the crack. That's, That's how scary. loud it was. Yeah. yeah. I hit the floor, and I had to be carried off the court. But if he hadn't been reckless in getting under my feet and and basically pushing on my lower body while I was in the air, then I never would have been off balance. Right. So he basically, in my opinion, he's just he broke the unwritten sportsman rules that need to be there to protect players. Right. So, um, yeah, I'm not happy about it. Uh, I haven't had an MRI yet. Um, it's still swollen. Uh, still, you know, it, it's it's hard to bend it and whatnot. But, um, yeah, I'm out of commission right now as far as playing. And I'm super bummed about that. No doubt. And like you say, just breaking those unwritten rules of sportsmanship, uh, Bruce Boning it, Draymond Greening it, quite frankly, and, and isn't that a funny situation that he was going to retire and Adam Silver begged him not to, apparently. But yeah, when you were telling me about it, it just sounded so nasty, sounded nasty again when you were recapping it just then. And and you do look physicality is a part of basketball uh, we've talked about how we'd like to see more physicality at the pro level in the nba at least and that is uh, an opinion that, that a lot of people share and people say oh well you want this uh, this dirtiness and no we, we all, we're always against the dirty play but it's about physicality without being dirty and and yes giving players room to come down i think one of the best rule changes they made about giving shooters room to come down i really do agree with that rule change in recent years and at every level of the sport you don't take away someone's airspace like that. You don't take away their landing space, I should say. You don't do what he did to you and play recklessly and play dangerously and try to injure your opponent, uh, again, just because you're a bit frustrated because they're lighting you up. Right. I definitely agree with the landing space foul rule. I think that was well instituted because look what happened with Kawhi Leonard with Zaza Pachulia. Exactly. Got under what happened. It, it knocked him out of the playoffs and it destroyed the Spurs' chances that year. But and I also want to point out, as I said, that he was backpedaling. Basically, he was backpedaling up until probably, I would say, 10 feet from the basket in which he basically ran up on me. And when I went to do the spin move, I elevated a little bit because it's like a, it's a fast spin move. Right. You know what a spin move looks like. Think, you know, Jordan, Kobe, I'm not saying I'm them, but you know what it looks like. Of course. And he saw me going into the spin instead of just trying to contest the shot and, you know, get his left hand up and whatnot, he went underneath my legs and pushed on my midsection. And that is what caused the improper plant. So yeah, there's, you got to have a respect for the game. I'm all about physicality. I'm all about playing, you know, a physical brand of basketball. I love nineties hoops. You know that early 2000s hoops and whatnot. I even liked when hand-checking was part of the game. But you don't get under people's feet and push on their body when they're in the air. I don't care what area you're playing in. That's not okay. That's how I had my first ankle injury, actually. I had a, an opposing coach 
my my mum was on the bench. Uh, she was handling the uh, scorers table, and she heard the coach, who was actually, funnily enough, this other team was also part of our club. They were they were the Division One team that got relegated back down to Division Two that we were in, and we were it was a pretty competitive game. And he calls his player over and says, uh, "See number four over there. That's me. Uh, take him out." And mum's on the bench like, "What do I do? What do I do?" Before she could do anything, like <laughs> alert the referee to this coach just said to take out the player on this team who also happens to be my son by the way i go for a layup he does the whole bruce bowen coming under undercutting me and putting my putting his foot out and i land on his foot really badly roll and sprain my ankle and i just remember walking up the court and looking over and seeing this guy laughing his head off and uh yeah that we were in the same club you know we we, we were from the same actual basketball club in that local league they were just a division one team that had been relegated and i think they were a bit a bit bitter about it but yeah that was uh I, I certainly lost a lot of respect for that team and that coach that day. At that moment, that person is an absolute scumbag. Oh, yeah. That's look at it. That is just absolutely scum of the earth behavior. And um, unfortunately, in, in my opinion, uh, a lot of parents are like that. For sure. A lot of, a lot of parents encourage that type of um, what they consider – competition right competitive nature but it's exactly the opposite that's that's actually being a coward that's the way i look at it if you're going to try to get underneath somebody to hurt them what because you can't beat them in basketball you're going to try to hurt them to get them out of the game yeah that's just absolute coward that's crack it's pathetic and it's cowardice but street hoops so now we talked about the real hardwood let's talk about street hoops so andrew messaged me and asked me if i wanted to play street hoops for ps2 because one of his new year's resolutions was to revisit an old classic each month so at least one classic title and that was his choice for january 2024 now we jumped into a quick match and we played on a 2k-esque view from behind and that game is so pick up and play that andrew and i had a blast from the get-go there was no hard learning curve the controls made absolute sense um and the gameplay is incredibly deep for an early 2000s title and especially this developer's first attempt at this type of game i mean there's amazing looking tip-ins whether it's tapping it in or tip dunks there's 360 layups the shooting in that game feels fantastic the shooting forms look amazing you have fadeaway jumpers you have half hooks you can spin left or right in the post there's like a post up button you can go left or right on your spins um you can catch an offensive rebound gather yourself and throw it down two-handed you can throw alley-oops to yourself off the glass or a teammate off the glass or just throw alley-oops in general uh there's two different dribble move buttons both work awesome so dribbling in front of you is one button and then spin moves is another button it is just super deep gameplay wise poke steals work awesome they 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 look great it reminds me of a couple games of you know a couple 2k games where poke steals are fantastic like nba 2k 14 right in your my career you love those poke steals they're very similar on street hoops and while the blocks aren't as good as and one street ball they're still pretty solid and realistic actually in that game but that first game before we even get into the second game we played on street hoops that first game was an eye-opener andrew because 
we literally we had fun on that game right when we picked up the sticks. We absolutely did. And look, there are a few moments where we hit the wrong controls, or certainly I did, as I was trying to pull off some of the special moves with the the triggers, and I was uh, shooting when I wanted to uh, pull off an advanced dribble move. But with that being said, the controls are very intuitive. They are very easy to pick up and play. And and like you said, the fact that it was their... Or one, I'll say one of their first basketball games, because I was looking it up. This is made by Black Ops Entertainment, who, as you said, made N1 Streetball a couple of years later. Four years later, actually. They did actually collaborate with EA Sports to develop uh, NCAA March Madness 2000. So they were involved with basketball before that, but this was their first time flying solo, if you will. The game was published by Activision, and uh, one Streetball published by uh, Ubisoft a few years later, as I said. But yeah, they got the, the basics down. They had this really deep controls that you could pull off all these moves very easily and, and just very satisfying highlights. Those dunks. I messaged you after one of those uh, after one of the poster dunks. Oh, yeah. So, so here's what happened here. So I made a comment to Andrew on X. Uh, I think it was at the three-minute mark uh, of the first half, and I said something to him along the lines of, this game feels great. And I hadn't gotten a response from Andrew until two minutes later after he threw a self alley-oop to himself off the glass on the fast break and threw it down. And he goes, oh, yeah, it does, <laughs> right after. Because I knew right after that play happened that Andrew was really feeling this game. And um, there was also a point in the second half where I – um, basically did an escape dribble and I was running out towards the three-point line and I threw a no-look behind the back pass to Andrew who was cutting baseline and he threw it down and that looked absolutely beautiful. I don't care what decade the video game was created in, that is absolutely beautiful. The animations are surprisingly good, Andrew, in that game. And then we played a second game on Street Hoops and we played on one of the uh, another one of the courts that come with the stock game. So you know, I think there's only like what three or four, maybe three courts. You have to unlock you them. Play. Yeah, you have to unlock the rest of them. Yeah. But one of them is French Lick. So obviously you know Larry Bird from French Lick, um, Indiana. And when you get out on this court, you're basically playing on a farm with a court in the middle of it. Yeah. And during the gameplay, you can hear cows mooing off to the side and everything like that. So I think it's a pretty cool touch. And even the basketball is different instead of using like a regular, like Spalding or just like a regular ba colored basketball. We're using like a black basketball street ball ball. Yeah. Like what? Street ball ball. And, um, that game, we had polished our skills a little bit after the first one, and the highlights got even better. We were throwing more alley-oops. Uh, we were making uh, different types of shots. We were playing better defense, and then we ended up beating the computer by, I want to say, 14 or 16 in that game. But we were playing the five-on-five full-court option. But in that game, there are other options. There's three-on-three, uh, four-on-four, five-on-five. There's the option of going half-court or full-court etc. Um, but the game is decently deep. The co-op is incredibly fun. And um, I think it's a really underrated game that I wish more people would even check out today. I'm looking forward to doing the, the Wayback Wednesday retrospective on it because it does feel like a hidden gem. You know, I, I, I felt that way about N1 Basketball. And I had heard that Street Hoops was kind of a rougher beginning for the series. Series, it's a, it's a pair of games. But no, it, it's fairly polished 
for the first effort or second basketball game they've ever worked on, first one by themselves. And it really is fun. I do think it is a hidden gem. And yeah, obviously it's missing some of the, the licensed content of the of N1 Streetball. There is some unlockable videos, and, and that's fun. And of course, back in the day, how, how big was the N1 mixtape? And those, those DVDs and tapes, Derek. And you feel it in that game, right? Yeah. The out, the atmosphere, the trash talk on the court, um, the moves that are being done, you know, going towards the hoop and, and all of that stuff, the... Um, you know the slip and slide dribble and all of that like the all like all this the the street aspect of basketball which also kind of infiltrated the nba at the time remember definitely did you yeah. know guys are they're like steve francis and then also guys like baron davis and then you know skip to my lou ray for alston and um even troy hudson had a little bit of that um style to his game um so even some of that and one stuff you know the street hoop stuff infiltrated the nba but they did a really good job of cat capturing it in street hoops but and one street ball took it to an all new level when they created that game um because like you said they had more likeness permissions real players uh, yeah exactly um so faces that you could recognize but the blocks got louder the the defensive mechanics got better than street hoops um there was more moves that you could execute uh there was the you know on court announcer let the hype man yes in one street ball which makes a big difference in the atmosphere and whatnot the game got deeper mode wise as well so um but i i think that both of those games are a blast yeah, I'm, I'm glad that I suggested that as the first game for 2024. As I said in last week's show, I'd love to do one new game a week. That is the, the goal, at least, at the beginning of the year. At least one a month at the very least. But trying to go for all one new a week, because I do have a big collection, as do you. That There are some games I haven't played as much of as yet, as I would like to. They are there to be covered in Wayback Wednesday, and to enjoy, obviously. But this one, I'm really glad that we started out with, because there was that familiarity from N1 Streetball, but sort of a different vibe at the same time and the fact that it, you can see how it, they how they built on that to get to and one street ball so that was cool but also having those fictional players as well as a few real ones you have to unlock half man half amazing uh, hot sauce some of the real guys you have to unlock them through the tournament mode as i said but it's still fun with those fictional players yeah i also want to point out something i said to andrew after we had the session i said street hoops is far closer in quality to NBA Street and NBA Street Volume 2 than NBA Playgrounds. Easily, is. yeah. And I think you agreed. I think that the gameplay is a lot more fun. I think it's that perfect combination between, you know, real street hoops and that kind of hybrid sim arcade feel. Um, there's just more you can do with that game. You don't have to worry constantly about, you know, a shot meter. <laughs> And like a like a dunk meter and a layup meter, and then the game crawling at the, the like such a slow pace like Playgrounds does. Um, but Street Hoops is a game that I actively would want to revisit, and I can't say the same for Playgrounds. It's so important that a video game of any genre, but certainly with basketball video games, since that's what we're covering here, knows what it wants to be. You know this, Derek. This has been my big complaint about NBA Live '19 since it was released. There are some good aspects of NBA Live 19. I can revisit that game and have some fun with it. But to me, it didn't know what it wanted to be. Does it want to be NBA Live? Does it want to be NBA Street? It kind of got a bit of a hybrid of them and didn't do either of them 
as well as it could have and should have if it was going to go in that direction. But, ha- but having a direction, having a clear focus and vision is so important. And I feel that NBA Playgrounds and NBA 2K Playgrounds 2 takes some good aspects from Street and Jam, mixes them together, brings some original ideas to the table, but still just doesn't quite know what it wanted to be. And now, we, as we said in the previous episode, look where we are now with that uh, game. A Roblox-exclusive mobile game, essentially. And Street Hoops, it knew what it wanted to be. You're right out of the gate, you can tell. The developers had a clear vision, and they continued that vision with and one Street Ball. And that's why both of those games are fantastic. It's the same with the, you know, with NBA Jam on Fire Edition in NBA Jam 2010. Those developers clear vision of the type of game that they wanted to make and the audience that they were looking to cater to and how they wanted the action to look and how they wanted the art to look in the game. And that's why those two games are so much fun. And I think that, you know, Street Hoops and And One Street Ball, we got to get more uh, gameplay videos up on the YouTube channel. And one of the games that I just discussed from our recent session on on Street Hoops, um, one of those games are up on the YouTube channel, so check that out. Definitely check that out. You'll see how fun that game is. And that wasn't very hard or expensive to collect, Eric. I think that one might have been 5 to 10 Australian dollars. I want to say that when I picked that game up, for playstation 2 i have it on both gamecube and playstation 2 but when i picked it up for playstation 2 i want to say it was five bucks and a couple dollars for shipping because i believe i ordered that one yeah um so there's options i want to say on amazon to pick up street hoops um you can pick them up on ebay as well and um you know whether it be complete in box or just the disc etc but yeah not an expensive game to pick up and endless fun can be had with that i think it's just a super fun game and i actually want to get more into it now and unlock all the courts same same i want to play through the tournament mode and see what it's all about get rucker park and how cool was it that so many games back in the day had the famous rucker park in the uh, available as a street court to play on you had to if you wanted to be taken seriously, right? Yeah. Because that is it. That's the most famous court. Mecca for... Street Bowl, yeah, if you will. Exactly. I mean, it goes. you go back to, you know, Julius Irving showing up to play at Rucker Park and, and people, you know, sitting on the bridge in the distance and on buildings and whatnot just to get, you know, be able to see him play and whatnot. I watched the Julius Irving documentary. Uh, I can't remember. I think it was on demand. And it you know, it showed some of the footage from him playing at Rucker Park, and it was a spectacle. It was unbelievable. Um, also, Julius Irving was amazing at that time, right? Of course, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I think to, to be taken seriously as a street basketball game, you had to have Rucker Park in there. You know, I don't want to sound ungrateful because I had so many great opportunities back in the day running the NLSC, as I still do, obviously, and going to those NBA Live community events. And for the event in 2007, which was for Live 08, of course, they took us to New York City. And we went to the draft. We went to Madison Square Garden for a tour. So that was really cool. Uh, pulling up to the uh, pulling up to the draft in this uh, big stretch limo and people looking, oh, who is it? Who is it? And then a bunch of gamers get out. Hey, everyone. 
they're nobody. Who are they? <laughs> that was kind of funny. But a great trip. That's the one they put us up in the hotel with the with the draftees were staying at. Got into the the lift, the elevator, and Greg Oden was there. I've never felt as short at six foot three, Derek, as standing next to seven foot Greg Oden. But <laughs> that was pretty cool to you know. Get told the- you were walking by Dikembe Mutombo, right? So I was yeah. in New York City, and they were having the United Nations meeting um, that day, and I didn't even know that until I got there and I saw the traffic and all the security and whatnot. But I'm walking down the street in New York City, and we were passing a bank. I can't remember which bank it was. And there is Dikembe Mutombo walking right past me. And I've got to tell you, that man was a giant. Yeah. I, I, I'm a tall guy. I'm, I'm 6'2". You're tall. You're 6'3 or 6'4". And I felt incredibly short. And yeah, small, yeah. Walking to Kembe Matamba. So just to give you an idea of how big these guys are, that that they're huge. You feel like a kid again, you know. Just like wow, I haven't looked up to this many, you know, someone like this since I was four or five. Yeah, absolutely. But they did actually plan to take us to Rucker Park as well, but we ran out of time on that trip uh, with the just the scheduling. Didn't have time to get there. But no, that, that's my one regret. I mean, obviously that was a fantastic trip. Spent a thousand Australian dollars in the uh, in the NBA store that I didn't really have at that time. But when was I going to get there again? <laughs> and not not even thinking about how I was going to get all in the suitcase to get back. But I managed it. You know, one way or the other, I was going to manage that. But um, yeah, unfortunately, didn't get to see Rucker Park. Uh, but that wasn't the itinerary. Didn't get to it. But that would have been awesome. It's never too late, Andrew. Of course. Yeah, need to get over there. Exactly. I mean, maybe we can make a trip of it and. Maybe get some shots up if my leg ever heals. No, I, well, hopefully it's uh, going to be good news for your uh, for your leg. But uh, yeah, we uh, we'll definitely have to make that trip if I get over there someday. Before we go on, a reminder that the NLSC podcast comes out every week on the NLSC me-live.com, as well as our YouTube channel. We're also on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other podcast apps. If you're listening on any of those apps, we'd greatly appreciate a review. To keep up with the show and everything we're doing with basketball gaming in general, connect with us on social media. On Twitter and Facebook, we are The NLSC. We also have an Instagram, NLSC Basketball. And on YouTube, we're youtube.com slash NBA Live Series Center. Once again, visit us at nba-live.com, where in addition to the podcast, you'll also find all of our original content, as well as our forum and modding community. So Derek, you've been playing basketball for many years, pretty good player, but could you play in the NBA 2K League? That's the real question. Ugh, Andrew, I'm so sick of this debate, which is why I had to ask the community. It turned into a community question. Uh, do you think that the NBA 2K League players are the best 2K players in the world? Then I had to add a, add a part two to this question, Andrew, is do you care? <laughs> uh, um here, here's the deal. First off, I really don't care. Like I, the NBA 2K League, I've watched it a bunch on NBA TV because they were showcasing it for a while. Um, it is an absolute bore to watch. Uh, the action is ridiculous. It feels like all teams play the exact same. I see players constantly avoid driving to the basket, even though they have a wide open lane. I see wide open dunks being passed up in order to kick it to the corner for a semi contested or full contested three. I I see ridiculous side to side play. Uh, a, A lot of it isn't even the gamer's fault. The, you know, the 2k league players fault. It's just the way the game is designed. Right. Um, and the way the game kind of forces you to have to 
compete in order to win. Uh, I, I, I think that um, there's very little to no variety in the way the NBA 2K League teams play, going by all of the footage that I watched. Um, I don't know if they're the best 2K players in the world. Um, from what I can see, they could be the best cheesers in the world. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. And that's why, and that's why they, um, can, I don't know if you want to call it Excel in a cheese fest environment, succeed, um, yeah. succeed in it. Um, uh, my, my, the thing is, is that the game is, the biggest reason why the action looks like that the mechanics of the game the game's engine the you know the constant skating the the ridiculously fast unrealistic dribbling the ball warping from hand to hand the suction that forces them to not want to take what looks like an open lane to the hoop you know the suction that stops them from going up for what would be a wide open layup or dunk in real life Right, what makes them pass that up and, and you know kick it out to the three point line? The the lack of running plays or any real basketball movement because when you do that in that game, it's just not the most effective way to win most of the time. Because the most effective way to win is to spam the ridiculous quick movements of the players, spam the warped dribbling, the side to side, uh, and just basically look for a three all the time right so do i don't think that they are the best players 2k players in the world i think that even if you're going by cheesing you know i've seen some of those players i've seen box scores of some of those two league two 2k league players jumping into the wreck and whatnot in their park or whatever and i've seen them get absolutely blown out by people who don't even play the game that often or people that do play it often, but you know, have never touched the 2k league. I've seen a two league 2k league player get incredibly pissed off at a regular average Joe who kicked his butt just because he kicked his butt. Right. And then he used all the the excuses in the book and whatnot. So I think that there's a lot of people who, are better at cheesing than the two K League. A lot players. of YouTubers, yeah, absolutely. I'd say I do. I think they're better. Uh, I think they're better at cheesing the game, and uh, and I think that there could. I don't know this for a fact, but just the way business works, especially because this stuff is televised now, right? And there's you know there could be politics involved in it, but you know what? Uh, there could be politics around the, the people that are selected to play in the NBA Two K League. That's not far fetched, people. There's been rumors of influencers, right? They want the right faces. They want influencers. Um, They, you know, they they must know. They could know somebody. So, like, yeah, I, I, my answer to this is, I don't think that they're the best 2K players in the world, and I think that there's a whole lot more that goes into it than that. And even if they were the best at what they do, which is basically take advantage of the game's mechanics and cheese the game and take advantage of artificial boosts and the badges that they're given and all of that stuff. Right. Because the artificial boosts and the badges are a big deal here, Andrew, you know that, right. That gives uh, a player a huge heads up if they have the right ones to counteract somebody else's and everything. But we're talking about a basketball game that's marketed as a sim 
right? So if you put these people in a sim atmosphere and they have to use, say, real NBA teams or real basketball strategy and all of that stuff, are they going to be better than the average Joe? So my, my thing is, is that uh, I'm going to go back again, once again, to the game mechanics. The biggest reason why that action looks so poor and why the online scene for this game is such a mess from a gameplay perspective is because of the game's mechanics, the engine, the artificial boosts, and all of that crap. It barely resembles real basketball, Andrew. You know this. You've been in the wreck before. You've oh, been, yeah. you know, we've arc and whatnot. It barely resembles real basketball. And the strategy or lack of that takes place online is, you know, is very troubling. So because you don't really have to use it. That's the bottom line. So what is your take on this? Well, I likewise if don't really care if they are the best in the world or not. Um, that you know, congratulations, round of applause to you, basically, if you are. I mean, to some extent, look, you you had a dream to play esports for a living and you have achieved that, you know, good for you, obviously, and that is a, a way that people are actually making money these days. But the irony of the NBA two K League is that despite the fact that NBA two K is obviously representing a real sport, basketball, that because of the way the game works, as you said, the mechanics, how animation-heavy it is, so it, it's debatable how much skill there is to actually pull off moves as opposed to trigger animations. And look, yes, there is some skill in that, uh, as being able to do that on command and pull off the right animations at the right time, but to a certain extent, you are relying on the game triggering a, an animation. Like, if you have a big dunk in the uh, in the 2K League, that is no more impressive than me pulling up a big dunk in my NBA 2K14 my career, right? I've triggered a dunk animation with a great dunk package. That is how I've pulled off that dunk. As opposed to, say, Rocket League, where you've made a fantastic move with the rocket car, you've done that all in the sticks. That is not a predetermined... That is not a... But I, can I make a point really quick? Your drive, though, on 2K14 could have realistically had your defender leaning one way. You made the proper dribble move, a realistic dribble move, where the ball didn't warp to your other hand. You got a first step on your defender, saw the gap, went towards the hoop, pushed the button at the right time, and you threw it down. Sure. That's a big difference. That's a big difference from cheesing. Right. Because sure, it's a video game. You're going to trigger animations. Right. Like that's that's every video game that's sure. going to happen. So the problem is, is that when the game takes out the other basketball elements that got you to the hoop. Right. Oh, for sure. Or yeah. you finally get to the hoop and you go up for what would be a wide open dunk. The game forces a defender into your body for no reason, unnaturally, and the suction happens and you miss it. Right. That's the game engine screwing you over as opposed to you being rewarded for the right play that got you to the hoop. Oh, for sure. So I, I just want to point that out, that there is a difference. Every video game has animations that trigger. Right. You, oh, you go back to dribble on NES and what triggers that dunk cutscene. Right. It's even going back to double dribble. Definitely, you have yeah. to jump and go for that dunk in that certain spot in order to get your dunk, your cool, you know, cut scene for your dunk. But <laughs> your, your, yeah, your rotoscope to... spud web dunk, yeah, absolutely. Right, exactly, <laughs> right, yeah. No, no that, that is true. I mean, but in a game like Rocket League, there's more physics involved 
that if you make a, a fantastic spin and and kick the ball in midair, you've done that with some pretty good stick skills. Whereas with 2K, you can make that move, trigger that, trigger a, an ankle-breaking animation, drive to the hoop with sprint, hit dunk, and, and finish. And yes, you've got the, the timing now. They've added, they've added that, which we all love so much. Um, well, some people like it. I'm, I'm not a big fan of it. But, I mean, they're adding these little things that are supposed to be skill gaps and the rest of the community just has to go along with it because it's being designed for the 1% now. That is a big problem. And, and to that point, I said this when the NBA 2K League was first starting up, and you can go back to 2018 and see my article on this, that the 2K League hasn't benefited the average user. If anything, it's made the the online scene worse as people try to emulate the league, think they're going to be the next NBA 2K League gamer, so they're just trying to emulate that style and play that way in the rec or 2k pro-am and of course it hasn't had a positive impact on game mechanics uh the build system really it certainly hasn't resulted in better servers which you would really think if we're going to have the home version of the 2k league would have better online support so the 2k league has really only impacted the home experience negatively which is what I feared. And I, I said, there's going to be no benefit for us. It's probably even going to take away from the experience, if anything. And, you know, I was absolutely right about that. just want to put that out there. But It's negatively impacted every mode because the gameplay is often tailored around that. Exactly. Scene. Exactly, tailored, yeah. It's tailored around the online scene. It's tailored around how they think people may want to play or how they want people to play in, you know, when they create a character, Right. And they go into the online scene. It's not even just the 2K League. It's the online scene in general. And it has really, really hurt the gameplay and play now. Across the board, yeah. My league, when you're on, you know, past gen, on my team, it's it's basically hurt it just, like, yeah, across the board. And it's a damn shame. But to to circle back to are they the best 2K gamers in the world, I think they're the best at they. They're the best in the world at what they do and how they play. <laughs> I suppose you could give them that credit. Uh, once again, look, that's their dream to, to do that, to compete in an eSports league, to get paid to play video games. Hey, best of luck to you. But no, I, I wouldn't say they're necessarily the best 2K gamers. They certainly can play in that style and play in the 2K league that way. Uh, but as you, as you pointed out, there's been YouTubers and other people in the community that absolutely smoke them on the virtual hardwood and blacktop. That's why I don't think, I don't think they're the best in the world even at what they do i just want to put that, that, that out that, that's a fair point yeah but i i, I want to say though that i think it's not their fault the way the game is made i just want to point that out again because the <laughs> you're, game, you're saying don't hate the player hate the game ugh, unless the player is being uh you know annoying and you know kind of an a-hole that the, uh, the, that, that fight that broke out that was embarrassing oh my god i don't even want to talk about that yeah that's <laughs> just absolutely ridiculous yeah and you know and i think uh, i take video games seriously come on now give me a break but um uh, i'll say again i i don't blame the player as much as i do the devs putting real basketball far away in the rearview mirror right you know they they've put even more badges in the game the game is so um reliant on artificial boosts metagaming uh, yeah metagaming uh it's it's so reliant on cheesing uh it, you know you don't have to understand basketball at all in order to figure out how to cheese this game and you know do just a couple different types of moves moves that's gonna allow you to 
score consistently, right? So, like, I, I think the thing is, is that it's taken sim basketball mostly out of the game. It That's has. the way it feels. Yeah, and, and 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 because of those mechanics, because of that suction, because of the 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 constant sliding, um, because of the 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 crazy fast dribbling and the ball warping on dribbles, just the awkward movement of the players, and in you know even rounding a corner, like you said, sometimes it feels like a Mack truck, yep. and whatnot. It feels um, very unrealistic, like because of all of that type of stuff, you can't really get immersed in my opinion and at least is the way it is for me and it's why i won't pick up the game even in a sim style game like you can't you feel like you can't play a sim style game because you get so frustrated with the mechanics no exactly and even if we do want to say that they are the best 2k gamers in the world let's say we want to make that argument i really need to push back on a, a tweet a, a post on x that you shared with me where somebody let, let's not even give them credit let's not even name them not worth it where they compared them to real athletes, to real NBA players, to say that if you're really... I had to shut down X for the night. Yeah, if you're... said so basically, if you're top 2K league gamer, top NBA 2K gamer, you basically have the knowledge and skill of an NBA player. Derek, yeah, that's exactly what it said. I, I lost my mind. I was like, this is... I'm done with X. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. To, to that, I can only say GTFO, Derek. To them gtfo because look i i respect gamers and gaming uh it is cool that it's becoming a profession you know it, it has its drawbacks obviously but once again if you get paid to play video games that's pretty cool as someone who grew up with playing games as you you and i did but to compare yourself to a professional athlete the best basketball players in the world andrew who said 2k gamer best 2k gamer like who said 2k gamer is just online yeah dude did anybody think about that right like what makes them the best 2k gamer in the world and where's the where, where's anything that proves that is there any data to, to prove that is there any you know proof in the footage because i've watched the footage andrew and, it, and any, I have to turn it off. Uh, any analytics that's what we see like, <laughs> yeah yeah and you know what it's not, i don't hate these kids like i don't hate the players that play in the league i i think that um they are getting a, an amazing opportunity right they're getting paid to play video games they get sponsorships um all of that stuff it's it's honestly a lot of kids dreams i mean we dreamt about that stuff and everything we thought that would be a cool idea it's stuff we thought about um and i didn't say they're bad at the game and and they're probably very good at taking advantage of the game's mechanics and all of that stuff so again i just want to reiterate i'm not blaming the 2k league players i i it's it's the game design I mean, that's what we say, Derek, but obviously we just need to get good, as the uh, as we're so often told. But uh, let's see what the community has to say about the question, because as you said, you threw it out there. Are NBA 2K League pros truly the best 2K gamers in the world, and do you care? And uh, first up, we have Roger Ward, one of the Live One legends, of course, says, I have no idea. I'd like to see the alleged pros beat me and Nate Star Show in any early 2000s NBA Live games. And yeah, I think, uh, I think Nate and Roger are going to win that, that contest. The way I saw him using Kenyon Martin, Kerry Kittles, Keith Van Horn, and your one of your favorite basketball video game legends, Jim McElveen, um, the way he was using them, yeah, I don't think NBA 2K League players have a chance against Roger. And uh, Nate follows it up and says, <laughs> The best Age of Empire 2 players can play any map type with any civilization. 
The so-called best 2K players need $5,000 in upgrades to get the best rated players and moves. When you buy game upgrades to make your play better, you don't actually get better. Game is easier. Yeah, and look, they are using standardized uh, build types in the 2K League. I actually think they should bring that back to to the home version of the 2K League, of, of the Rec and 2K Pro-Am. I think the build system has just absolutely ruined the online scene. And it, I mean, the fact that they are using standardized builds in the professional league goes to show how broken the build system is, quite frankly. You know, we talk about big picture thinking, Derek, is one of our favorite sayings here on the NLC podcast. Right there, you can see big picture how the build system doesn't work. But yeah, I love the way that Nate put it there. And yeah, you mentioned standardized builds. Those are still filled with artificial boosts. Oh, of course, yeah. Earlier. So it's still heavily dependent on the artificial boosts in the game that give these players, um, you know, an advantage one way or another. So, um, yeah, I love what Nate said there, um, especially when it comes to, you know, just standard online play, which you've experienced, and unfortunately you experienced, uh, you know, people can buy their way into winning games because that's how powerful the artificial boosts are um, and whatnot. They can, you know, rely on a meta build and whether they know as much about basketball as you or not, um, whether they're as, you know, better at the game or not, um, they're more than likely going to take that W from you and oftentimes in a blowout um, because they have a better meta build, right? They have more artificial boosts and everything. And that's not real competition to me. That's just like, that's like playing like a fighting game and you using an overpowering character who has more finishing moves and, and more powerful moves and you, you know, you winning, right? Like, I, I think that that's not true, fair competition. So along the same lines, Stephen, the Live King says, the whole debate is pointless when you have to buy attributes. 2K will never be competitive. And yeah, when you've got pay to win, pay to enjoy the meta build system and an animation heavy game yeah it's not a true competitive scene compared to other games that have more freedom of physics and so forth which is why so often it looks silly and boring yeah it's it's the bottom line so um no i definitely agree I, i think that the game needs to be more reliant on real basketball strategy online and otherwise um, like I said, the online scene has infiltrated the pl- play now game play, the my NBA, my team, etc. cetera. Uh, the game just needs far more balance and it's not there right now. And to the point about cheesing, Bucky T says, most of these guys are left right cheeses in my opinion. They don't come close to having skills on the sticks. I never cared about the NBA 2K League anyway. And yeah, it, it's very difficult to care about something that doesn't really benefit us and isn't really that fun to watch. Yeah, you know, you watch the footage and everything, and you don't see really anybody doing step backs, you know, you know, jump stops. You don't see anybody posting up. Um, you know, you don't see anybody, you know, going, you know, under the basket, going through baseline, um, and then coming out on the other side and pulling up or, or you know, dishing it to the perimeter. And, like, there's, there's just um, – there's a lack of variety in – the gameplay footage from online and whether it be the 2k league um or regular online play etc and it just bums me out you know there's very seldom real basketball strategy being played you know you see they've done some top fives or top tens uh, highlight reels from the 2k league and look i'm just going to 
boost up us here, and you in particular, Derek, because you handle a top 10 every week for the NLC YouTube channel, between the community's highlights, the variety of games, the variety of highlights, and your curation and post-production, our top 10 is far, far, far better than any 2K League top 5 or top 10 countdown that I have seen. Ten times. I remember I I sent you a few of the 2K League top 10 videos that they had uploaded to X, and um, yeah, those highlights didn't compare to what the NLSC community has been able to put forward each week, and we do release them every single week. There was a highlight in the top 10 this week, which was the number three play, and it was Be More Boy 88, and he was playing Rec in NBA 2K24, and I want to say the score was tied. And he dribbled up the court and he executed a flawless fadeaway, like a deep two fadeaway. I want to say it was probably 18 to 19 feet out um, on two defenders. And he smoked that shot. Now, I know he's not using a modded controller, Andrew. So that was incredibly impressive. It was also a real basketball move, right? He pivoted and he spun and he did a fadeaway like you would see Kobe do and whatnot and that highlight right there that game winner from be more boy 88 on nba 2k24 that was in the nlsc top 10 that is better than any highlight i've seen from the 2k league that that one right there easily so um that tells you something and speaking of contributors to the top 10 and people who are good on the sticks great on the sticks i would say uh playing online uh og billy cook says don't care so much that there are guys who are better at exploiting than others but it's a video game and all video games have exploits because it's computer generated not real life and he's right about that exactly there's a different volume to him though right like there's you can't just say all video games have exploits because there's um a volume it's just like um you know Somebody said to me that there was there's skating in all NBA 2Ks. Well, there's instances of skating. To what degree? In, yeah. And 2Ks, right? You can find an instance of skating in the old motion system in like 2K16 or 2K17, but the volume doesn't even get close to impacting the gameplay and the feel and the realism of the action in comparison to what it was after the new implementation of the motion system in NBA 2K18. The foot planning has been absolutely terrible and that's why you see so many comments where people are like it looks like they're playing on ice and whatnot right so the volume of exploits and how often that exploit is effective that matters here and um that side to side dribbling and the, the the way you don't have to use strategy as much in the newer nba 2ks the volume of that is ridiculous i've watched og billy cook play online and i love the way he plays yeah uh and not i love his footage i tuned into one of his streams um he's been in the top 10 a few times as well with some sweet moves some sweet dishes and whatnot so yeah you know i he's one of the gamers that i like watching and you know it comes back to when something wild and wacky happens in real life someone will invariably chirp up and say oh and if this happened in nba 2k you'd say it's unrealistic well no it's not necessarily unrealistic if it happens rarely or <laughs> once in a blue moon. If it happens every time, if it can be triggered on command each and every time, if the CPU does it whenever the CPU needs a bucket and is doing it artificially to catch up, yes, that is a problem. That is what we're criticizing. The the frequency, not the actual event itself. Although, of course, with online play, there's a lot of, be- there's a lot of the events that we're also criticizing <laughs> the style of play. But yeah, it, like, like you say, the frequency matters. Volume matters, absolutely. Frequency vibrations, as the case may be.
One more response on X now from Stuler33. Shout out to Ken, of course. Uh, this is hysterical. You know the answer to that. I know the answer to that. They'd get routed by 50 points playing a traditional head-to-head game the way you and I play. Yeah, good luck, NBA 2K League players, guarding Stildo using Shaq. Yeah. The 94-95 Shaq. I think he would absolutely demolish you and you would be left shaking your head, um, especially on NBA 2K19. Um, Stildo and I are not fond of you know 2K24, 2K23, 2K22, that gameplay direction and whatnot, especially since... Um, you know, the revamp of the motion system in NBA 2K20. We haven't been able to get into those games and a lot and mostly because of the reasons that I've mentioned on this show, those gameplay frustrations, those gameplay mechanics and whatnot and how dependent the games are on artificial boosts. Um, but yeah, I, I think that, you know, there's a really big difference between the way you see basketball on display in the 2K League and then the way basketball is really played in real life or played in the real NBA. Even though in the NBA now, variety isn't what it used to be. You know, the mid-range game isn't used as much. The post-game isn't used as much, et cetera. But still, teams need to go to those at times, right? It's still there to some extent, they, yeah. still there. And the skill is often still there from the players. And real basketball strategy must be used um, uh, you know, a good majority of the time, especially this season since I've been watching, in order to truly be a top team in the NBA. You know, look at teams like Boston and, and Denver and Minnesota and the way they play and the Thunder and, you know, even Orlando, who's really had a spectacular season um, and they're exceeding expectations. And by the way, Cole Anthony has been out of his mind lately. He's been super fun to watch on that Orlando team. But, um, yeah, strategy, um, which is what Stildo is alluding to, um, he thinks he would win that battle, and I would bet against him. And not surprisingly, I think the community feels much the same way we do. And, look, you could say, hey, you're just a bunch of offline gamers, old heads who can't play on the sticks, got to get good, you only hate it because you're not in the 2K League, you're jealous or whatever. No interest in the 2K League. They could call me and recruit me, which they won't. They could call me and recruit me and say, this is how much money you'd get to play in the 2K League, and I would not play in it. I have, a, I have no interest in that style of basketball. I have no interest in that atmosphere. It does nothing for me. They have actually opened up an Australian team, so I could actually theoretically if i was to get an invite play on that i'm not saying i'm good enough to do that but i could get invited i you, you'd make me watch it more i'd, I'd watch if uh, you were in it at least until i rage quit after how terrible it is because of the connection between here and the states but uh, <laughs> nevertheless but the point is you can throw out all these thought terminating cliches and and homonyms and whatever but you've got people here responding like og billy cook plays online plays really well online we know what we're talking about. We know what we're talking about when it comes to the 2K League, the style of play, and the issues that it's caused for the game. Yeah, it speaks for itself. I would much rather watch guys like OG Billy Cook and King J Mace, right? For sure. The way they play online in 2K Mac. Uh, it, I, those guys are a joy to watch because they're out there hooping, right? And it's not about the artificial boosts. It's not about the meta builds. It's they're, they're playing basketball. And that's why they're fun to watch. So thank you to everybody who responded to Derek's question. Uh, yeah, once again, I think we're all on the same page with this one, Derek. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I think that it would be great to have another basketball video game in the space like we did with NBA Live 19 with online play for those people who like to play online. And, you know, maybe another league 
an online league that um, is like the 2K league, but not created by NBA 2K, um, just to see if it can be done better and that, you know, see if it can be more exciting and draw more fans in because, you know, the 2K league is not taking off like they thought it would. That's no. the way I feel it. And, you know, the, the channel on X barely gets you know, quote tweeted or commented on. I often have tweets in my little, you know, in my little X account that gets, you know, far more attention than their posts and whatnot. And, you know, I don't see that many people tuning into the games on, you know, if they're live streamed and and whatnot. I I wonder what the audience is when it's played on NBA TV. I don't know. Um, But I don't think it's taking off the way they thought it would. There's less crossover appeal than they were anticipating. Definitely, because I remember when it first started and they were streaming it on the uh, NBA's uh, Facebook page. And yeah, there's just so many comments. What is this? This is garbage. This isn't real basketball, etc. This is a and and these are people who are interested in video games. It's not like video games are this niche interest now, Derek. That people say, "Oh, you're a gamer." You know, there's people who like plenty of people who like basketball and basketball video games, but they just didn't like the action. Yeah, they tuned in for a reason, right? Because they wanted yeah. to. Yeah. They like uh, video games, and more than likely, if they're checking out NBA 2K League play, they probably, you know, somewhat like basketball, you'd hope. Um, but yeah, the, the comments on it have not been positive. So, you know, shout out to the uh, shout out to anyone who thinks that the best 2K League gamer is basically the same as LeBron James. You know, I, I might disagree on that one. But again, thanks to everybody who responded to the community question this week. And of course, Derek, we have another question that you put out there. So how about we open up the mailbag? To the mailman. He what an unbelievable dunk. So I asked the community, what are your 2024 goals for basketball gaming? And of course, you know mine, which is to, uh, to try and play a, a hidden gem or find a hidden gem in the collection each and every week of the year. Certainly at least once a fortnight or once a month at the very least, get back into some modding, continue my journey through 2K14, my career, and get back into some Live 06 as well. And we talked a little bit about that on last week's show, but but yeah, the community has some resolutions as well. Yeah, and, and mine were basically just to maintain the consistency on the NLSC in relation to content creation, but also to... Um, even create more content. You know, like I stated in, in 2023, we had 52 podcasts go up on the NLSC YouTube, um, 52 top 10 videos, and then also 100 gameplay videos. But I'd like to increase that content and even make get some more variety in there, some games that people haven't seen and whatnot, games like Street Hoops. And then that video is up on YouTube right now. So um, that's a first for the NLSC YouTube as far as a full gameplay video. And I think people are going to enjoy that. And outside of that, just like I stated, more connections with the community, Andrew. For sure. I'd like to connect you even more um and then more people on the nlsc discord you know i'd like to get some more games in with like nba live dude uh whiz card rush and then some new people etc so we'll see what happens a lot of uh, enthusiasm from our part and the community at large and to that point uh teddy bear the gamer says i want to get a pc and use the mods i see you guys use and yeah we've seen that a lot over the years derek uh, people on console and look we're not about console versus pc here you and i play on both but people who are mostly on console or, or completely on console see the mods that are being made for PC and think, yeah, I want to get in on that. 
Yeah, Teddy's been talking about this for a couple of years, so it's it's going to happen eventually. Uh, he loves the scoreboard mods, the the graphics mods, the new cyber faces, all of that stuff. Uh, I think that a great starting point for him would be a game like NBA 2K14 because of all the mods uh, that you can get for it and how easily accessible they are. Um, NBA 2K13 would be another one um, that I would definitely recommend for PC. And then um, NBA 2K19, because of the great retro single season roster mods that Still Doe and team have put together. And um, I think that those three games would be a great starting point. And, Andrew, as we've talked about before, those games are affordable. They're they're not hard to get. Um, I think 2K19 would be the toughest out of the three. I was going to say, 2K... yeah, that one would yeah. be tough. That one might be a little bit tough, but you should be able to find a key for that, a Steam key. Um, but NBA 2K13 and NBA 2K14 are super cheap, and you can get them on eBay, complete in box. Um, you know, get those disc versions and whatnot, and you know, hit the ground running. Next up, we have Bucky T again. I want to get into live streaming all of the basketball classics. I want to learn how to do live streaming. That's the goal, and that's something we've actually talked about doing a, a bit more as well, Derek, uh, dipping our toes into those borders. Yeah, I think um, you could check out Marillus Action, the application that Andrew and I use. It's 20 bucks, and you can stream right from that application to YouTube and, and to Twitch and both of them at the same time. And I know that King J. Mace uses Action often now in order to stream, and you can you know stream in 1080p at 60 FPS, so smooth quality. And um, yeah, that's, a, that's definitely an application I recommend. I know that a lot of people also stream with OBS, um, which is a free application. It's just a little bit more complicated. It's not as, you know, easily accessible or as intuitive as Marillus Action, but it is free and you can stream in super high quality. So those are the two apps that I would recommend. And uh, Elgato as well has streaming. Uh, watch me play a great game. Exactly. So Elgato, I've actually streamed from it multiple times. So if you're playing um, like your, I don't know, your, ps5 or series x or your xbox one or ps4 or you know even your xbox 360 and whatnot you could have your elgato hooked up and stream right from the elgato in 1080p at 60 fps and you can have a mic plugged in and you know your audio can feed through elgato and into your streaming platform whether it be twitch or youtube and whatnot and yeah you could do some console gaming that way as well and heading over to the Analysty Discord now, NBA Live Dude says, according to Wiki, there's a total of 191 basketball console arcade video games going back to Magnavox Odyssey and the Atari in the 70s. 52 weeks in a year, my goal is to dedicate one entire week to one title. Having so many options is a blessing, but it can overwhelm you at times. This will not only open me up to other games, but it will really make me well-versed with every title. I might fast-track a bit because most of us have played the majority of the well-known titles. With emulation, this is a possible task, Plastic for life and long live emulators. And we definitely, that, that definitely resonates with us, Derek. Uh, that is a similar goal to what I have, uh, trying to go uh, one new title a week, dip into the collection. And I really do agree, having so many options uh, can overwhelm you at times. How many times, Derek, have we said, let's play something? But we both have such huge collections that when we want to try something new, sometimes it's, it's hard to pick one. That's why we have the, the fallback options. Yeah, I also want to point out that is quite the ambitious goal. And if only there were 191 weeks per year, yeah. I'd be alive, dude. If there were, I'd only be about 14 or 15 years old yeah. right now. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, no, that's an ambitious goal. And I love the fact that he downloaded Action and he has uh, Parsec installed and he, he has Movavi and, and whatnot. He went all out 
um, with the recommendations um, that we've made on the NLSC podcast as far as the software that we're using and whatnot. And he's been hitting the ground running with that and recording his gameplay footage in super high quality. Uh, the highlight that he had in this week's NLSC Top 10 was from NBA Live 2003, and it was a steal with Grant Hill and a dunk with T-Mac on the other end. And how beautiful was that footage? It was pristine 1080p 60 FPS, and I want to say that he recorded that with Action, um, which is a program we both love. So I love that he has that stuff installed, and the cool thing is is that when he revisits these games, he's going to be trying to record that footage, so we're going to get to see more highlights from him. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing which game he revisits every week, and maybe maybe it'll line up with the game that I'm revisiting at some point. But as he says, there's so many options out there with emulators. You know, we could even play uh, NBA for Intellivision, Derek. We've done that before with, uh, well, admittedly with the PS2 version that was already uh, emulated anyway on the PS2 collection of Intellivision Libs, but we did that through the emulator. And of course, connecting that with Parsec, you can do that with the community, which you do have to do for Intellivision because it's a two-player game. And of course, why wouldn't we revisit that one? I still say that that block I had with you on that Intellivision lives the first NBA game where I suspended one of your shots in the air right at the rim like a snatch block in a game that came out in the 70s. Um, I still say that that was a top 10 play. I will take that to my grave. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to respectfully disagree with Nate Starshaw on that one. That's top 10 for sure. Top 10 of the year. 100%. But thank you to everybody who responded to the mailbag question this week. Great to hear about your resolutions. And, you know, we've said it before, Derek, but I think it just things do keep getting better in the basketball gaming community. Even if we're not feeling the latest NBA 2K, there's such we have such big collections. There's so many games out there. Other people are collecting as well that we can revisit these classics and stick with favorites if we like them and share that experience with the community and each other through Parsec. Yeah, I still get my basketball gaming fix daily uh, because of these classics because of the collections that we have and the best thing is andrew and we talked about it on the last show the community much of the community is doing the same thing they're revisiting the classics they're expanding their collections like nate and roger have like juicy shack meat has um nba live dude like they're expanding their collections they're jumping on these past titles and it just keeps their experience fresh and gives them something to play at all times and i think that the basketball gaming community uh at least you know the nlc basketball gaming community the people that interact with us on discord and on x and whatnot i think they're in pretty good shape right now agreed and to that point keep letting us know what you're collecting what you're playing what you plan to collect what you plan to play let us know in the comments on youtube in the nlc forum jump into the discussion on discord yeah we, we have a great time with basketball games and that's what it's all about derek yeah, it's all about having fun, and it doesn't matter if you're playing the newest title or not. Just, you know, try to enjoy your time. With that being said, that has brought us to the end of this week's show. As always, we thank you for tuning in and invite you to join us again next week, either on the NLSC, nb-live.com, of course, our YouTube channel, or your podcast app of choice. In the meantime, please connect with us on social media. That's where you can get in touch with us and, of course, stay up to date with all of our content. So, Derek, go ahead and plug the handles. You can reach me on X at D for 3G and at D for 384. I'm on YouTube at D for 3 and on the NLSC forums, D for 3. I am Andrew in the forum and Andrew NLSC on X. The NLSC is on X and Facebook at the NLSC. We're also NLSC Basketball on Instagram and Threads. We're NBA Live Series Center on YouTube. And of course, keep it locked to the NLSC itself, nb-live.com, for everything we do for basketball video games. 
So, thank you once again for tuning in, and until next time, I'm Andrew. And I'm Derek. Go get buckets, everyone.